And that was, I think that was the real start of the office because that was when we yeah, really had really to take a position. You yeah, know? and we're really forced to agree on things. Yeah, and so, so we were excited about that in a way, in the, in the long run, but that was really hard for us in the beginning. Hi. Hello. 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 Hello, and welcome to Architecting. This is a podcast about the lives of architects. About the people and stories behind the buildings that we see around us and the images that brought them to life. And with the very international world that we live in. This show will purposefully be local and narrow. Only focusing on the Colorado community of designers. Hi, I'm the host of Architecting, Adam Wagner. I'm a Denver-based architect. I'm married to an architect. I have two architecture degrees, and I've worked for a dozen different architecture firms in three different countries. But for these last five years, I've been rooted in Denver, where I am at Open Studio Architecture, and I teach at the University of Colorado, Denver. I love connecting with, with other designers and learning from their experiences. Now I'm broadcasting these stories with the goal of creating a stronger local community. So this week is a bit of a interlude, I guess. Architecting is about Colorado designers, and this week we have two non-Coloradans on the show. So Nicole McIntosh and Jonathan Louie co-founded Architecture Office and currently teach at Texas A&M's Department of Architecture. So I first came in contact with them when I was the exhibition coordinator at University of Colorado Denver's College of Architecture and Planning. This was before I started this podcast, and uh, I had uh, the ambitious goal of using the college's exhibitions and galleries as a way to better connect our, our local design community and connect us to outside firms and ideas. So Jonathan and Nicole um, had have this beautiful exhibition, uh, which we'll talk about later in the interview, called Swissness Applied. It's a um, real thorough study of, of traditional Swiss buildings and details, um, as, especially as they've been appropriated in the, the U.S. Uh, and then they, they created a, a projection of how these forms um, and details can be, can be morphed and transformed into new projects. So I worked with them to get crates of, of models and boxes uh, transported, transported here from, from Yale to our building right before the pandemic hit. Um, so I had, I had this grand vision while I was setting it up uh, of, this, of the opening of their exhibition as being a, a real kind of party for our community showcasing this work. Um, and of course, none of that has happened, ha hasn't happened yet. Um, and their in-person lecture was was changed to a remote to a remote presentation this last week. So, because I'd worked with them so long and and was never really able to meet, I couldn't help but to invite them on the show and and really get a better understanding of their story and their work. So this interview is seen as a continuation of the lecture that Jonathan gave at CU Denver on March 10th. And I encourage everybody to um, go to uh, CAP's Facebook page and, and watch a recording of that. So anyways, I'm, I'm breaking form here, but this is a, a really inspiring couple with beautiful work um, who have a, a fascinating background. So I, I hope you enjoy. 
also because of the logistics of having two people on an interview for the first time, um, we spoke over a Zoom, not Instagram Live, and we kind of kept saying goodbye, uh, but then a new story would come up, um, and so I just let it let it roll. So if you're interested, keep listening after the normal show ending for a bonus clip where they, they talk about winning the Architecture League prize and and kind of their funny interaction with with our very own Coloradan, uh, Kevin Hurth. So enjoy. Hey, and normally this is where the interview starts. However, today I'm excited to say that we have a new sponsor. So the goal of this podcast is to better connect and build up the community of Colorado designers. And this this obviously is not a, a new idea and there's there's lots of other people out there pushing for the same thing. Um, and to me, one of the best out there spreading the, the gospel of good design in Colorado is Modern in Denver. Their spring issue is now out and includes some fantastic coverage, especially on the, the work of Mike Moore and Trace Birds, some super interesting conceptual projects uh, by Clark Thinhouse, whose, whose book I'm reading right now and would strongly recommend, and the photographs and stories of my good uh, friend J.C. Buck, whose also new book, Ice, I would highly recommend. So Modern Denver has been striving to bring designers together and to bring people to good design for a long time now. And I'm, I'm very excited to be working with them uh, on this shared goal. So go out now, go buy a copy of, of their magazine at your local bookstand, subscribe to their weekly email list, and make sure to follow them on Instagram. Yeah, so we should probably, but we should start together, right? Yeah, so let's start together. So what if, so, but I, you know, I like to start off so I can kind of compare people of just like, what would be your kind of two sentence bio? And I'm interested if you can, if you can say that for the two of you as a couple. Well, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. Um... No, I mean, you know, it's, I think we're just a Swiss and American architecture office. And I think that's, <laughs> that's really the kind of thing that we, uh, are happiest with about um, working together is that we come from two very, very different points of view and education systems. And it's working together, um, trying to find our own voice. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's so interesting how, because Jonathan, you grew up in Hawaii, right? And Nicole, you were in Switzerland, but you've like yeah. ended up in Texas, like almost like the middle point between those two extremes. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, and this is definitely another extreme again, you know, for us, for both of us. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So Nicole, let's let's get so so yeah, you're Swiss. So let's <laughs> let's talk about that. So where where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up outside of Zurich, about ten minutes away, um, in a suburban uh, neighborhood, in a five story small apartment. Uh, so very un American, uh, in a way. Uh, and I went to school there. Um, I did my internships in New York, but other than that, I was basically there till I moved seven years ago. So, mm. so are you like, are you like Swiss Swiss? Like your family's been in Switzerland forever, or what's your kind of family background? Yes, I'm an only child, um, which makes it extremely hard for my parents <laughs> not being in the country, of course. 
but um but yeah my my parents my mom was they're both swiss uh, my dad has an italian background like his uh his grandfather was italian and my mom is swiss but she lived in south america and south africa actually for a total of five years five to six years i think when she was younger um unfortunately without us but um but yeah she's she uh she traveled a lot when she was young as well and lived at other places so. hmm. it, what what did they do what did your parents do what did you kind of grow up around yeah I met, my dad was uh actually he's retired now but he had a really small one uh employee um car garage hmm. Um, so nothing, he, he studied fine mechanics. So there's definitely, uh, we, we share the love for model building, um, which I think, uh, came apparent when, uh, he helped us, um, building, uh, some of the, the original faller, uh, train models for, for the Swissness Applied Exhibition. Um, and my, my mom was, was, uh, taking care of older people, um, for a long time and she's retired now too. Hmm. But not not architects. Yeah, but then so then when when you were deciding between universities, was it was it just a pretty easy choice to go to ETH? Like, is that kind of? I mean, obviously it's such a great school, uh, and you're pretty close to it. Did you look outside of there or um, and choose, or did you focus? Um, I you know it's really funny i usually don't tell that to people but we um so it was it was clear for me that i would stay in switzerland because financially it made sense um because i just uh, couldn't imagine working full-time and going to school uh full-time and so i was actually enrolled into um the anthropology program and sociology mm. program at the university of zurich and then um a friend at that time uh, but I went to to maybe to say that I went to um, to an art high school, um, which was half Italian, half Swiss, hmm. and so I was very interested in in uh, graphics and and especially in in, in the more um, artistic um, classes. And so, the last day I uh, was able to actually choose what I would study, a friend of mine said, "Why would you go and study something else than architecture or any other art program?" And, and uh, I don't know, there's a, there's a, the ETH in Switzerland, at least when you, to, when I went to high school was always this place where I was like, oh my God, I can't go there. Everyone is so ambitious. It's such, such a competitive environment. And I don't really, I don't know, you know, it's, I don't know. I like to paint. I like to uh, be, uh, be um, artistic, but other than that, I don't see myself in architecture. And so I decided to actually, go just for a few weeks to check it out and then take take a gap year and for some reason I ended up in in a in a studio class that was just incredible um my first year studio uh studio classes were just amazing and so I had a really hard time otherwise um because there are a lot of exams and they filter people out and it was exactly it was it was fairly competitive um, but but I just really uh, kind of got encouraged by uh, by my professor at that point to continue studying architecture and and that's how I kind of never left. And then I in at the ETH you have to have a year of um, experience somewhere, so you need to do an internship. And I had the option to either go to New York City or to Shanghai, and I decided New York City and. 
Um, and so my experience being abroad was more for my internship time than actually school. Mm. And, and so when I actually got back um, from my internship, I just decided to do my master's there as well because it was easy enough to, to stay with my parents and, and just go on my breaks uh, to, to New York to do internships. So that was really what it was. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, I'm, 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 I'm interested with the ETH. It's like a mystery in my head, sort of. Like, it's like this thing that I see, like, glowing that I don't really know how it works. So what's the kind of structure? So you, you come in, you come in as an architect, or is it kind of come in and then you figure out, like, what design thing you want to go into? And um, so, I mean, I can speak for when I studied. So I graduated actually nine, nine years ago. Um, but and I think a lot has changed, but at that point in Switzerland, um, the system is still the same. So you don't do, uh, you don't have to submit a portfolio or you don't have to do any tests to get into the ETH itself or to enter a program, but you have to have a certain level of high school. Um, and so I think at that point that that was like 10% of, of, uh, of the students would go and end up studying at a university um, or they would do, an, a, the rest would do an apprenticeship and then just end up in a profession and could do eventually um, their studies along the way. Um, so there are two, it's just a different model. And, and so to enter is really um, kind of straightforward, but then after a year we had um, 12 exams. And so that was kind of hard. So it's a, it's a really in-depth, general education, I think the first year. So I had um, like mathematics, I had uh, biology, even was one class, which is basically reading diagrams. I had art history, um, architecture history, theory, um, of course. So th those were two different uh, uh, kind of uh, classes and then I had uh, one so they divided it into three different studio types which is very different than here so there's a studio type that is called design studio which I think in most cases here in the U.S. would be the design the first year design studio so where you make a lot of your experiment with um, probably spatial conditions and proportion and um, kind of learn the first, uh, for like the, the initial ways of how to represent things. Um, so that was one day. And then the second day was basically a construction uh, studio where you learned, where you experimented with material. So the first exercise was, for example, we got assigned a material and we had to make a chair. Um, and that um, at that point was taught by um, Andrea de Plotzis and um, the design studio was taught by Marc Angelil, um, mm. which I think first year course was fairly well known and also carried over here um, in some schools. And, and then we had one uh, day where there was basically it was more like an art class where you got assigned to do painting, drawing, um, perspectival hand drawing and so on. Um, so those were the three basically. And then the other two days you had full, you had nine hours of lectures. Hmm. Um, so it was a pretty intense first year. And so then, and then how did it move on past, past that first year? Was it, is it kind of like an AA system where you're kind of in a, in a tract of architecture or is it still pretty much kind of like a American it's pretty system. much American. So you choose, you, at that point, you chose between three different studio professors, but they all had more or less 
um, the same requirements in terms of what the goal was of the studio and the, the criteria to pass it. Um, I think it was not until year three where you actually from then on you can choose your professors and you can also choose some extra classes that you want to choose and so so it depends a little bit what your what your interest is I think there are a lot of electives that you can you can take um, yeah I think the big differences here uh, or there is that you have mostly the studio professors mostly teach uh, studio um, classes but not a seminar not always but most of the times and then the people who are um, historians and so on they they just teach um, their one history class and they're all very specific um, to what they teach mostly. and then grad school was that kind of a continuation of that or did that get more specific and um, for me, I have to say at that point it was specific and I, it, was, it was a more continuation because I was the first, first uh, basically the first track to do the bachelor master studio um, hmm. kind of uh, study sequence. So I was the first one. It was fairly specific in that sense. You could go and select your own courses more or less pretty much completely. And so I don't know, they're, they're not, at that point, there was not a track, like let's say the technology track or the, the urban uh, design track or so, um, but you had to take one to studio that was about urban design, everyone had to do that so that there's a certain standard. I think, um, I don't know how it is now, to be honest, it could have changed a little bit, but yeah, it's pretty. Uh, yeah. yeah. Continuation. Who, who was, was there somebody that was really influential to you there or, or a kind of a way of thinking? Yes, absolutely. Um, so my, my first year, like I mentioned, I was with Marc Angelou and he became a really uh, great mentor for me and still is, I would say. He actually, uh, he and Carrie Cyrus uh, wrote, just wrote the foreword for our book that is coming out. Oh, nice. Life. Yeah. So we were really, uh, I, I would, I, um, if I think if it wouldn't have been, uh, if I wouldn't have had him, I think I, I would have um, experienced architecture in a very different way. And I'm still so thankful that I was lucky enough to, to have had him in first year. Um, and I, I worked in his office for a while. Um, I was a teaching assistant for his first year course for two years while I was studying. Um, and so, yeah, so we, we go way back. So Isn't that I, yeah. so crazy, like the, the effect that one person can have on your education? Like not only do you choose a university, but then it just mm -hmm. happens that some person is there or something, you know, and we all have those kind of things. And um, yeah, uh, absolutely. And how, how we would be different. Uh, absolutely. So when you, so you went, so that's interesting. You went to New York what, after your first year or second year? After my second year undergraduate. Second yeah. year? Yeah. So did you feel, did you feel your education and your background as different within the, the New York context, like, or, or in what firm were you at? Like, did you, did you feel your education like as unique compared to these other people kind of? Yes. I mean, I think so. I mean, I had a really great, um, I, I ended up in a small office, or at that time, like relatively small, with um, Winkle Dupel Dan's office, um, mm -hmm. Architectonics. And um, 
strangely I'm still friends with everyone there <laughs> so so thinking about where where everyone is now and and who's doing what I think that the difference was for me as an intern um, um, everyone always thought when you're coming from the ETH you know how or from Switzerland in general you know how to draw details so I um, I did quite an extensive amount of drawing interior details um, <laughs> And I have to say, I didn't really have the experience, but just because I got I, I got to do that instead of building physical models, <laughs> I really got into it, and it really helped me to to figure things out by myself, you know. And so that was really fun. Um, I guess there was always an an interest also in an interior design track, um, not just like bigger buildings. Um, so I like to think small and precise and in depth, rather than big with you know just like visions, but not thought through that much yet. So I think I think that was a really good um, education. And I really, I mean, I really enjoyed uh, working there. So I went actually back uh, to Switzerland uh, to my studies and then decided to, to, I lived with my parents for a long time. And so I just, because I was with the ETH, it was just nonstop, like it's architecture school, but it was just like, I've never, never experienced something so extreme. So I would just, go home for five hours to sleep. And that was from the first day of school till the very end I graduated. And so it was great because I could save some money to go with the, with the teaching assistant position to go um, during my vacation semester breaks, I would go to New York to work for, for Winka. And so that was really, really what kept me going, I think, you know, all these years. Yeah, that's funny. And so uh, so then after you graduated, you went back to New York again, like to stay for a little bit or what, what was next? Um, no, actually, strangely, I didn't. I, um, I ended up immediately in a, uh, interior design, uh, firm and worked a year long in like interior design. Um, and I have to say that was really great for me because I, I learned a lot more detailing and about mm -hmm. materials and things. So it was very hands-on and and yeah it was really great and then um after that i ended up in my other office i worked for during my graduate uh degree um in zurich um called oos and um i actually worked there for four years i think and became an associate as well um so really uh, fantastic people uh, I was always lucky. I, I always had really good experiences in in offices, more or less, with people. So, so you know, how, how I don't know. I always hear from my students that they don't have such great experiences because they, I don't know, or because architects are just difficult people. I think sometimes, and their ego is really hard to. And I think I think it really um it made a huge difference for me that I always ended up in offices where you know people were collegial. There was no hierarchy. Um, you know, it was just a team and so so I really enjoyed that part as well Makes but at one point I just had an I don't know what it was but at one point I was like oh now I'm in Zurich I'm I'm an associate I'm doing all of these projects and I actually really enjoy it but at the same time I feel like it's not my voice hmm. or it's not a hundred percent what I would do probably I can totally fully stand behind the work it's beautiful work we're doing but at the same time there has to be something more or different and and I thought of my time as uh, I was still like invited uh, for reviews to go to reviews, even while being in practice, because I, I met so many people working at the ETH as a as a teaching assistant that I ended up always going to the reviews. And then 
one day I was like, oh, I should go back to teaching. You know, I, I want to go back to teaching. And I ended up uh, applying for fellowships. And that's, I think, how... So the, the idea was really just to do a gap year and just to say it's a sabbatical from my office in Switzerland. I'm still hired there, you know, but I do this other thing for a year and then I come back. Um, and then I just like never went back. <laughs> it's a long, long, long gap year. Yeah, yeah. So that was at the ETH where you started teaching? Or? Yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And Basically so how- when I got back from New York from my first internship, I started teaching there while I studied, so was that a surprise like I'm like the first semester I taught I was just kind of like you're just gonna let me teach these guys like I don't have a teaching degree I don't have you know it's like it's a funny profession where you you're taught by professionals in a way right it's like you don't like my my brother is like a, a music teacher right and he went to school to learn how to teach people and he's a musician you know and but we're just architects but so yeah. was it a, was it a steep learning curve or was it a like you went right yeah, into it and... I mean at the ETH you always have um lectures as well that teach under a chair so we were about uh, we had about a hundred and I want to say close to 200 students or 150 and so they were they were always so we always were two people who taught 30 students and so my responsibility um, depended on how much basically the person I was teaching with would trust me. And so I was really lucky because I had um, gone through the program two years before same course. Um, and, you know, I had all these other, this other experience that year I was gone. And so I got a lot of experience teaching 15 students myself. Um, and, and it was like, basically the second year, I would just do it almost myself because that person was was traveling a lot I was teaching with and so I get basically got thrown into it and I just had to deal with it and and I I think I think understanding or having gone through the classes that you're teaching Mm. like that's something I still do when I teach like I always do the exercises or the assignments myself in order to understand how long they take does it make sense like, what do I really learn, you know? So just just because I, I had the experience that if I do it myself first, then I can teach it better. Yeah. It's a huge difference. But so then how did you, how did you leave Switzerland? And what was that decision like? Yeah, I was, I don't know. I was in a, a point, I think in my life where I was like, really, I, I felt like I, I'm very comfortable, you know? And I always like to be in the situation where I didn't feel so comfortable because it would push me to to be better, um, to get out of my comfort zone. And I think that was something that kind of, that I didn't realize when I left uh, Switzerland, but when I came to the US and I was suddenly teaching at a to- with a total different background with uh, people I didn't know in a different language. Um, it was Arizona, which was really gorgeous and different. Um, at the same time, I kind of really, I don't, I really felt good about it because I could see, I was, I w- it was not so predictable about what I would do next. And, you know, I was comfortable enough to say, well, I just give it a try. And I mean, you only live once, worst comes to worst, I go back to Switzerland. But, but how, where, where was it, where was it in Arizona? Like, it's not an obvious, like, career path from Switzerland to Arizona? No, no, it uh, was actually um, Taliesin uh, uh, School of Architecture. And so they offered a nine month fellowship. Um, 
yeah, it was very different. I mean, I interviewed at other places too, but but Taliesin was the one where where um, I was hired, and I was really excited about it. Um, I was very scared about going to Arizona um, first. <laughs> yeah. Now I feel like I'm in Texas. You know how scary <laughs> can it get? How much scarier can it get? I'm scared and so, of all of them. Yeah, but I met these like really incredible people and it's, yeah, it was just, it was, yeah, it was great. I mean, I, I always, we, we just went back a year ago actually to visit. So we, we really enjoyed being there. So. so are you teaching like in the building, like in the Talies and Frank Lloyd Wright building, or is it kind of a compound? Yes. Um, well, no, it is like there's, there's, well, there's the, the Frank Lloyd Wright um, basically drafting studio where we taught a class and then there are some buildings where visitors don't have access to where I taught the second semester studio but yeah it's all on campus or it was all on campus because um, um, they closed down the school right or they are now I think oh in, yeah yeah in uh, Arcosanti I think yeah so what's it so you know i'm like looking at your linkedin here like look look like scroll 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 uh but uh so you know it seems like you get on this like teaching circuit right like and and i'm always jealous especially of like you couples like you guys and and all your teaching experiences and things but so you you're at you're at taliesin and then you go to florida is that right and then no 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 no, U of A um, was the year after Taliesin, and that's in Tucson, University of Arizona. Oh, right, 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 yeah. Yeah, and they um, offered me to teach a visiting critic studio um, and teach one core class studio second year. And I honestly just heard really good things about the program, and I have to say it's a good, uh, it's a good undergraduate program, I think. Um, and super nice students and faculty. And I ended up going there because I wanted to experience teaching at a bigger program because state schools are obviously very different than private schools. And I just thought it would be nice to teach my own studio again for a year. And yeah, and then I guess after that, I went to Syracuse because Jonathan was there, hmm. um, was teaching there. And so I got the same position that he had. and. We stayed for three years there because it was yeah it was really luxurious to have a position like that and and do our work and build up our work so we owe we owe Syracuse uh, big time we had a had a really great experience there yeah so when did you guys meet I was like trying to put your LinkedIn together and like where does it overlap where where are they where did they come together so originally we met when I was still, so like I said, I, I would still being in practice in Switzerland, I would sometimes go to the US and do just a, like a tour of reviews of, of people I met who invited me. And I would just take off my overtime and just do that. And so I ended up at Syracuse because the, the one um, now associate professor there actually Roger, he was Swiss and he taught, I was teaching with him at the ETH um, as a teaching assistant. And however, um, he invited me for reviews and I go there and that, and that was the first year that Jonathan taught. And so we got introduced at the dinner after, but I, I was basically, he was on his way out. So we didn't really talk at all. We just got introduced. And then the year later I was, uh, uh, we were both at Penn, at UPenn reviews and ended up at the same review dinner, but we were at a different review. And he was very polite and said, bye-bye to everyone personally. And 
And I was, you know, because I didn't know a lot of people, right? So I, so I was like, oh, wait a minute. I think I know you. Are you in Syracuse? You have to say hi to my friends. And I don't know, that's how we connected on Facebook. And um, yeah, and I think that's how we, we kept in touch, I think, because I usually write or I used to write on Facebook when I would ever, when I would um, pass through New York to go to Switzerland. Uh, which is every half year and I would just write you know to not have to contact everyone now I'm different I'm a little more personal I reach out to the people but I would just say hey I'm in New York these days let me know if anyone wants coffee or so and so he actually reached out and said hey I'm in New York do you want to have coffee and we had coffee and and we were talking about like being young and are in this limbo between should we go full academia should we try an office and and I feel like we both felt the same way. I just got the position at U of A and he was in Syracuse and, you know, he was clearly more, more um, doing his, his things already while I was primarily involved in a heavy teaching load. Mm. And so anyhow, we, we talked and, and then somewhat three or four months later, um, he reaches out and says, hey, do you want to do a competition? Mm. And uh, That's a good architect pickup line. You went, hey, yeah, exactly. you want to do a competition? <laughs> and so we started doing the competition. So we really started to work together before we actually uh, were together as a couple. And uh, there's another story that he's probably happy to tell you. <laughs> uh, but, but we ended up like long distance uh, working together. And there was uh, someone in LA that wanted us to do something. And so it was literally in one night we had to come up with an office name so to look like decent and and actually that project went fairly far i mean it was never built but it was it was a good project to start out with uh the competition we lost so that's not even to mention but it was a good first experience working together so that's where that's that's where architecture office came from like in, in yeah. one hour it was like hey what are we over oh, yeah, it, like it was a five i mean i think we always <laughs> wanted to have a name you know where you're not personally asso associated with because we were always like, well, you know, there are a lot of people involved in our work, right? And hopefully more so in the future, um, hopefully we grow and can sustain the office, but but it's not gonna be just Jonathan Louis and Nicole McIntosh, you know? And so we really wanted a name that was more general where people feel like they can contribute to and it's also theirs in a way. Yeah, I love that name. I'm like, I'm like, it, it wasn't taken? It, it, it's not, yeah, it's, it's, it's like the perfect yeah, I know. like Apparently, as an LLC you can't do that right you have to say I think it's a office um so but but yeah I mean we have a website that wasn't taken or any like the domain wasn't taken or yeah anything, so we just went for it oh you get a lot of you get a lot of jokes about it of course now people are a little bit more serious I think but with us but before that it was really just yeah People were yeah, fun. it's not the easiest to search for either if you just type in architecture office, right? True, but true, but true, he, true. it's nice. <laughs> so let's see, is Jonathan around? Is he? Is he? Yes, let me just uh, check. I'm going to switch. John? So, so were you able to hear any of that? Uh, or, some of it, yes. It's almost like a dating show, you know, like you, you, you get to see a, a story from your point of view and her point of view and see if it overlaps. But uh, well, it's good. You know, it was, it was fun um, getting to see your lecture uh, this week and then talk to you like it's a nice it's a nice little uh, thing. But and I always 
you know those introductions that they give in the beginning of those lectures have you have you heard a good one like they always seem so difficult to do and so kind of uh mechanical but yeah uh we we've heard some good ones we also we've heard some that were very personal um yeah. in terms of uh you know the, the the things we uh they've seen us do or or um and and i think it's always nice when when um somebody gives a um you know um yeah gives over some time to to talk about your work and think about your work yeah so yeah yeah um yeah, it's it. What's it like to be lecturing on Zoom? Is it is it just <laughs> like you're in an empty box and you're you're hoping people are there and <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah. I, uh, you well, the nice thing is is that you don't have to worry about uh, reminding yourself to look up at the audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So okay, so you're so I found out the other day. So you're from Hawaii. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So, like, born and raised, and um... born and raised, um, high school in Seattle on Mercer Island, and um, that's where, which 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 island were you? In, where did you grow up in, or um, where were Oahu. you? Oahu, okay. Yeah, I grew up in Honolulu, um, near to Waikiki and Diamond Head, um, in a, a little area called Kaimaki. What's your What's your parents do? What were you kind of surrounded by growing up? Um, my mom is a therapist, um, and she still is. Um, it's good, good and, as an architect to have a mom as a therapist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and my my dad is an architect. Oh, really? So was he doing? What kind of work was he doing there? Uh, my dad was doing, I think, some residential and commercial commercial work. Um, uh, but he had an office and and it was um you know about five to ten ten people large um, i do know that he was doing some work uh uh at the polynesian cultural center which is like how should i put it like a more authentic version of disneyland <laughs> but but mm -hmm. it actually has a really really incredible kind of um infrastructure behind it um, interesting so were you were you like always in the office and always surrounded by it, or did you were you able to kind of keep some distance from architecture? Uh, so I was sometimes in the office. Yeah, um, I remember like uh, st stapling and stamping blue uh, uh, blueprints um, that I probably shouldn't have been doing with like that. With those yeah. like fumes of the like the old bl blueprints. It, like with the chemicals and stuff yeah so was he was he of the mind you know i i've been get a lot of like uh children of architects on here you know and it's like it seems like you go one of two ways where you're like i don't want my children to be architects or it's like no let's let's really raise them up the right way right so what, what boat was he was he in so then then you went to seattle for high school is that what you said mm -hmm. yeah so what why how did that come about uh we just uh, you know, private school in Hawaii is just too expensive, uh, and and so it was an economic decision, and it was actually a, a very good economic decision. Um, now that we know how much real estate is worth in Seattle, um, uh, and so like uh, we ended up moving there because they have um, a good public school system, 
because otherwise in Hawaii, the, uh, a, lot of, a lot of kids are in a private school system. Um, and, and so it was just not, uh, it was just not, not cost efficient to spend so much money in private school. Hmm. But your whole, like your whole family moved or just you went? Uh, no, no, no. Just, just our, our, our family. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Okay. And so what is Syracuse like, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty isolated, right? Like geographically. Uh, and so it seems like in places like that, you know, there's not much else to do, but really bunker down in studio, right? I, I went to one of those places. Yeah. You transfer in, um, and is it just an architecture track right away or is it kind of a, a, a group that then you split off? Oh yeah, no, it's, it's all architecture all the time. Um, and, and there was something really amazing about it. I think that's probably a similar experience to Nicole, um, where, where we, we, uh, we were just kind of fully immersed in architecture and Syracuse, you're right. Syracuse is four hours away from New York city, uh, at least. And, and, you know, the weather is, um, they don't shut down the school unless it's, uh, there's like three feet of snow on the ground, which, uh, which rarely happens. Uh, and, and so like, you're just there and you're just working and it's a really incredible environment because of that thing. Um, the faculty there have been together uh, for, some, for quite some time and they've really kind of, uh, they work together on the, on the curriculum, which I think was, was something that, um, uh, really, really helps some somebody such as myself who who didn't have such a kind of strong uh, um, upbringing in 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 the way of thinking about architecture that they were thinking about, or or even the arts uh, in 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 a kind of uh, in that way. Uh, but but because you're fully immersed with around all of these people, it, it's, a, it's a really nice experience. I, I have to imagine it's, it's the same at, at places like Cornell um, or Rice or, or et cetera, et cetera. They've got a, they've got a brand and their, their curriculum and, and uh, everybody gets immersed into it and works together to, to kind of figure it out and get it done. So who are, the, who are some of those people that were most kind of influential to you there at undergrad? Oh gosh. Uh, well, well, the professor who who actually recently retired, um, uh, Randall Corman, was the one who actually uh, I studied with when I was in Florence. And that was uh, that was one of those kind of moments where it was a kind of like, oh, so this is this is what I'm looking at. Uh, and, you know, there there are some that are still there that uh, that have are, are influential as well. Um, Mark Linder uh, is is one of them. Um, he uh, is is a is a theorist, um, and you could also say um, there are a, a number of kind of uh, recently retired um, um, individuals as well that that were influential to me when I was when I was there. Hmm. And then, so then, what did you do when you graduated? What was next? Um, went to work in Boston, um, met, met a number of really incredible young officers. Um, and I think a lot of those young officers set the blueprint for, for like, uh, 
or Nicole and I at least like trying to understand what it means to to get something done, how to operate professionally, how to operate professionally with a very small budget, um, um, how to move from one project to the next. Um, it was it was really really nice, and and I had short stints with them, um, never more than about six six months. Um, but I, like still to this day, I really admire um, their work. Like who uh, who are some of those firms? So like. Um, Single speed architects. So John, John and Jinhee, Jinny. Uh, I think John's now in South Korea, and Jinny's um, now in North New York. And, and then there's of course Studio Lutz, which is Hansi uh, um, and Hansi and Anthony. Uh, that were that were really, um, yeah. They they really they because also it was the economic downturn in 2008. So like the fact that they were willing to take take somebody on that they've never had as a student um meant a lot um, but then after that i went to holland and and i worked in uh, uh, at a dutch office for a couple of years it was it was kind of like trying to outrun the uh run run the economic downturn as best as possible but gain architectural experience and um so i had i had a really really nice really really nice time there um i worked at mbrdb um and and what was really nice about it is that at that time, there was still a, a 40 to 60 person office and a, a very horizontal structure. And um, we hung out together, we, um, we had lunch together, we, we worked hard together late into the night. And, and so it was really a collegial atmosphere. And, um, you know, really owe a lot to, to that office. Yeah, so you were in the Rotterdam office, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when were you there? Uh, around 2008 to 2010. Okay. Yeah. So I, I worked in Rotterdam uh, in, uh, I just missed you in, in 2011 and 12, 12. Yeah. But it's, it's such a amazing kind of scene and culture around that, right? Like all these, these offices and you, you kind of intermingle and you're, and just the, the city itself of like such an, like an architectural windswept playground right uh, like huge huge public open spaces and like strong buildings that rains all the time and uh yeah so who who were who you kind of partnered up with uh which which partner in in vdrvd like do, were you kind of in one uh, of the groups there uh i I'll, a lot of the time i was jumping from uh competition to competition and so it would be like four week long competition uh, and myself and, and one project leader, uh, we, we got along really well. So they would always just kind of jump us from competition to competition. Um, and, and so that would, it would change. I think uh, some of the more urban, urban projects would be with, with Winnie, uh, Winnie Moss, and then some of the, um, they're not small. There, there's still large projects would be with Jakob von Ries and mm. sometimes would be with Natalie Debris. So that came to it. You did that for about two years, and then, and then what was next? Uh, came back, went to Los Angeles, uh, worked a little bit as a project leader for uh, Fernando Romero's office. Oh yeah, huh. in LA, and then um, ended up going to graduate school at UCLA. Um, where I met Neil Denari and, and Neil is, has been and is still an incredible mentor who, who always finds a way to um, get right to the point. Um, 
and, and get to the heart of the matter, even if, if you haven't seen him for uh, a couple of years. And um, it's, it's really nice. Um, I also, while I was there, I met a lot of really influential friends. Um, and three of them, we did a project together called On the Road Project LA, which was a, a kind of collaborative uh, curatorial project that, that used the different urban types around the city um, as the, the kind of point of departure for, for the display of art and architectural work from um, younger generations. And, and so I think that friendship um, still lasts to, the, to this day and, and we're, we're constantly in conversation uh, about many, many, many different things. And, and so that's, that's been really nice. And so is this, is this about when Nicole came into the picture? Nicole came into the picture right after graduate school uh, when I was at Syracuse. So, so she was, uh, uh, I think, my first year teaching there. And so, so okay, so stepping back a bit. So you, you were, had all these kind of professional experiences. You went to UCLA, which is a pretty specific kind of... Um, school or way of learning, I think, uh, and kind of environment. Uh, and, and then you graduate and it, it is a decision right away that you, that you want to go towards academia, uh, or did you kind of fall into uh, that? I think I felt, I mean, I don't know. It just happened. I'm not quite sure how it worked, honestly. I, you know, I, I taught a, uh, after graduating from UCLA, I, I taught a I was lucky enough to, to teach us uh, as part of a summer lecturer for high school students at, at UCLA's Jumpstart program. Um, so I probably owe a lot of thanks to, to the individual uh, who, who hired me for that, which was Georgina Holchek, uh, because I, I applied to be a, a teaching assistant, not as a, as a the, the studio teacher. Um, and and I a lot of things were happening all at once. And, and I think Michael Speaks was uh, becoming Dean at Syracuse and um, Michael and Neil go way back. And, uh, and, and so I'm, I'm, I haven't, I, nobody, Neil has not, never said anything to me. So, so um, but yeah, I, I ended up teaching at Syracuse and, and uh, I'm very, very happy to have spent that time there. And then Nicole comes in with your um, with your architecture competition pickup line. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> she said she said you had a good story about about how you met or something like that. Yeah, well, it, it was just also something that like could only happen in the internet age, right? Like, like where where you're like flying around, or like as as young professors where you're kind of flying around and you're. You're like excited to go on on reviews and and uh, and uh, you're willing to go kind of like to wherever it is and, and be totally inconvenienced and to sit on a review for for four or five hours and uh, talk about architecture. Yeah, that's funny. Um, and so, okay, so you guys came, so you guys came together and. We're both teaching at Syracuse at that point, and and like the idea of an office was was pretty strong. Um, how so? You had the competition in the beginning, um, and then what was kind of the next next steps to that? 
to the yeah, office in um, general? Gosh, uh, we did a we did a house uh, that never got built. It was that was house and house, mm. and um, and I and I think I showed that in the lecture. Um, I think the lead price. Oh really? Yeah. After after that, I think it was a lead price. Uh, 2017, I think, I think it was 2017. Okay. So the, yeah, the league prize. Um, so that was, that was about support, right? Was that, um, and so yeah. what, what was the kind of approach you guys took with that and how do you win it? Let me know. I'm going to take notes. So I think, I think the statement matters a lot. You, you, I, I don't know how they, how they do the, uh, how, how they do it now, but, but you, before it, well, you got like 300 words to write a statement or something, something short. And yeah, then, I mean, I think you have to, you need a voice, yeah. right? Whatever that voice is. And I, I think the brief is usually fairly open so that anyone could be included or you can, I don't know, I think you can make it work. Um, however, like our, our interest at that point was like um, the background or this idea of images and how images influence the way um you know like like basically instead of the president uh, the traditional president um project in architecture which is a building that you're looking at um we were we were interested in how our students but also us how we are influenced by image circulation these days um and the image dissemination because how often you have a student that comes to you with an a, a picture, right? Um, to be more specific, not just an image. Usually, it's a photograph of um, something and tells you what they think about what this is. But usually, it's not what they think it is. Just usually because you know yeah. the person who <laughs> who made the project or, or who's yeah. looking at it. And so, we were really interested in that. I think, and there's, I mean, going back to that. I mean, I think there's also a little bit of. A, a tradition or, or like in Switzerland where you where images play a role as well you know yeah. in terms of context and so so instead of the built environment seeing images as the context and I mean I think we we all do that right that's not something new I think it's if yeah. you have an office if you work on a project you probably look at a specific detail right first of another building and then you're like oh it looks like this so let me you know yeah. And so, so that was a little bit our approach, I think, and and I guess also in a, in a way like how how original or how like your project really is in that regard. But but we um our portfolio was was based on on a each project had an image collection of images that we thought were influential for the project along the way, mm-hmm. um, and I think that was uh, in the viewfinders presented at that exhibition. Yeah. And so that that like at that point it was really I think we we had to lecture the first time together for the late price lecture it was <laughs> the worst experience we had in architecture if you would ask us and we say that out loud it's okay Jonathan has heard that before I heard that before it, it was really really hard because we we I mean we worked together for like one and a half years maybe or two years yeah. at that point you know and then distant too so yeah. the lecturing together. Uh, really was uh, was uh, that was I think that was the real start of the office because that was when we yeah, really had to take a position. You yeah, know? and we're really forced to agree on things. Yeah, and so yeah. so we were excited about that in a way in the in the long run, but that was really hard for us. At the yeah. Beginning. 
Because I think that's that's really interesting. This idea of of your voice, right, and of kind of your project, your architectural project, and and trying to discover it for one person is difficult, but two, you know, it's it's even 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 more, I'd say, and, and like in this academic setting of like where you're trying to find this little kind of thread. I think you, mm-hmm. I forgot what you'd said, uh, Jonathan, but you know, where you're like picking at something, right? And find that thing to pick at and hope it goes deep enough or you're able to take it deep enough to make it into something and then yeah. hope you like like where it takes you, I guess. But uh, so, so was that this idea of kind of image that led into Swissness ap- applied or was that the kind of next step? Yeah. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I don't know, like, y- yes, I would say yes. I mean, I, but when you when you think of the League Prize, that was definitely, um, we, I mean, we, I think if, if that wouldn't have happened with the project being there already, but more as a written project, not mm-hmm. as a fully flushed out physical uh, project, we've done, we, it was part of the, a part of our package, um, but we've only done like two models or so as test models for this for the seminar that we will be teaching and so I will be teaching and so it was like it was really on on the very in the very beginning of of uh, the research and and what could come out of it. But yeah, it was one of the four projects we exhibited and also we talked about um, which which was great because we got a lot of feedback as well and. And for some reason, it, it was also great because it was really received well. Because you know the the topic itself is very much rejected by architects. Like anything we do is always pretty much something that you, as an architect, would first reject and not even look at, right? So, hmm. for the Syracuse space, for example, for the core space we were doing, we were looking at cubicles, hmm. which you know you think of these uh, very repetitive uh, boxes and and something that was dismissed at one point or I don't know that they, they were yeah but but we we were just really interested in that and so I think I think that's also maybe something that kind of came out later that we're more and more interested maybe in things that are that are dismissed or that that not everyone yeah. would look at yeah but I think also Adam you're asking about like uh did we know what we had at the time mm. and and I don't think we did I, yeah. I like like, I, I think it's really just, uh, the, we wrote this thing for the, for, for the portfolio and, and it, it sounded good. And, and we made a portfolio that, that like uh, collected our work and, and we found a way, we thought a lot about kind of what went into the portfolio, but we didn't spend a lot of time making the portfolio itself in terms of crafting it. That's actually not true. I totally disagree with you. Okay. Well, well. <laughs> he didn't really like. He wanted to submit a long time ago, and like it's always that's always the thing. Like I, I just like we're kind of done, um, but then we're not. And so, <laughs> no, but so, for example, like we sent the printers. We didn't have a binding. Like literally, the print the printer comes back with cardboard on either side to protect the the paper. And we kept and they cut the cardboard at the exact size of the paper because uh, to make sure that the the corners don't dig and so like we didn't do anything other than just like paper clip the or binder clip the the cardboard to the paper and then and then like tape tape like uh something on the top of it which is like the title and <laughs> that was it like but we didn't we didn't try to like sew anything or make a special binding it was just all no, stuff yeah. that was that was 
And, and I mean, it was our, I mean, in terms of layout, we, we did an extensive amount of work in yeah. order to communicate what we think was what we were doing. And I think we only did that because we learned so much, uh, you know, through that. I think even now we're, we're applied to a lot of things like everyone does. And I think we always continue to do that no matter if you win something or not, because it just helps you to, to grow. And I think that at that point, we like that portfolio did so much for, for our work because we really had to think about it. And I don't know, I mean, I, I kind of, I also think that we're usually doing less maybe, um, but we are always trying to do it well or as good as we can. And it just, that just means that we can't do, you know, hundreds, hundreds of things, but we do one thing and, and you know, I don't know, we try to do it well. Yeah. This, I mean, not to say that we get, you know, rejections all the time for things we're doing, but, but yeah, but we try to. Right. But I think it's interesting, like that idea of, of extreme rigor in specific things that then manifest itself in something else. Like when I was watching the presentation and you were doing that presentation on cubicles, I was like, how, why the hell are they going this deep into cubicles for this like 3000, whatever, 1500 square foot office and it's like that's so impressive or so crazy to be thinking about but it's like it's this study that happened before that then kind of rolls into different things right um mm -hmm. i guess yeah and it's like um the same thing with like with like swissness and it seems to have the different stages right the kind of the paper models were kind of representations of full buildings to to these kind of wooden detail models, right? Uh, zooming in to to kind of like created schemes, like kind of combined together, right? Do you know where it goes next? I guess I don't know. I I asked Jonathan like kind of a bad question the other night, but of of just like does it does it get in your blood? Like 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 drawing all those things over and over. Uh, like did it? It had to have kind of changed you right or like affected you like each of these things that you do affects you right the the cubicle study or or this idea of viewfinders where you're kind of focusing in on something or this idea of like these kind of kitsch details or like these fake details right it, it all builds up inside of you do you you choose yeah. to do something with it or 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 kind of move to the next thing yeah i mean like i mean i think we like to play things out to to maybe a little too extent extensive sometimes but but I don't know it's it's also hard to I mean in a way it's hard to say what comes next because we have we have things going now and we just try to focus on these things you know without thinking too much ahead to be honest I mean there's the soul uh, biennial installation we're doing now which takes an extensive amount of time um, we're working together with Arab on that which is fantastic where, where we learn a lot. Um, I mean, the Swissness Applied Exhibition is going further, uh, probably will be exhibited more in like more in more locations in the US. We're very excited we get to exhibit it in, of course, Denver at the uh, UCM. Eventually, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, we're excited about that. And, and, and it will go to Switzerland again. And so, um, and then, then of course, there's the book, which we're also very excited um, about, which will be, which we're happy to have like something that is lasting, you know, because the Swissness Applied Exhibition is also was very laborious and, and kind of uh, every time we go there, we install it, we have to find 
um, but if we are not doing it at a school, we have to find uh, grants and, and people who support the project. Um, and so I think, I think, yeah, I think that the Swiss and Supplied Exhibition probably will travel around again with the book, but after that, I think we, we just probably call it <laughs> and then do something else. I mean, I don't know, we, we, um, we had a few clients here that were interested in doing things and, and it's, it's hard with the, I mean, for everyone right now with the pandemic and, and, and so I think luckily we were still very busy so we don't feel like we we and we're happy to not take on too much um do the things right we're doing and so hopefully after that uh, i think our desire would be to to do another project with a client um on a larger scale that would be definitely something mm -hmm. i think we would love to do yeah but i, I think also like it's just uh, uh you're asking also the kind of million dollar question that we don't even know too <laughs> <laughs> like how do you how do you um, what like what's next right or like uh, what's what's uh, how does this impact your practice yeah. if, it, if it was research and and as a kind of uh, academic or critic having a critical practice like uh, how is the research impacting the way you're designing or the things that you make and I, like I think those are things we have to just kind of simmer about a little bit and, and maybe there's an opportunity coming soon that we find that allows us to kind of like work on it. Yeah. And what are you guys doing in, in Texas right now? You're at Texas A&M, right? Mm -hmm. And so what are you what are you kind of teaching or, or what's the scene like down there? Uh, we, we, you know, we don't know it very well because, because you know, like we've only been here just a, a year or so. And, and so- yeah, but one year with COVID, and so we're not working with a whole lot of people this past year. Uh, and the year before that, when we got here, we were just traveling so much with, with the exhibition and symposiums and gallery talks, so that we never really kind of like figured out what was going on here uh, before COVID happened. So it's, it's really hard to say like what we're doing here. I mean, we're, we're teaching our, our studios and, and our classes. I think Nicole teaches a PhD seminar, but but other than that, like it's it's hard to it's hard to kind of for us to be able to kind of reflect on this place. Yeah, it's been definitely different. I mean, for for several reasons. But yeah, teaching studios and I don't know. Mm -hmm. I teach an image theory seminar right now, which is also like a little bit pushing me to my limit limits. Um, but it's 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 I mean it's interesting for for what it is. I mean I think we would have wished to be able to be a little bit more involved or or understand the culture better but at the same time i think we're also happy that we you know we can work remotely and be able to focus on the book right now which is uh, also challenging and also putting us on <laughs> to our limits i think because we've never wrote a book so what's what's the tell me tell me what the book is about what's the elevator pitch of it so well the title is swiss applied learning from new glories um, and it's it's basically a more in-depth research on Nublar's. Um, it will include the work of the exhibition, um, but it will also include like the specification periods of Nublar's. It will include several guest essays um, by Whitney Moon, um, Kurt Forster, Courtney mm. Kaufman, Jesus Basalo, um, Philip Orsbrom. Um, so, so we're not the only ones who are writing, uh, which I think is a good thing. 
Uh, it, it opens up the perspective a little bit uh, beyond just to, so this idea of Swissness, what it means in, in the context of America and so on. So we, yeah, we're excited about that. There are a lot of more drawings um, that were part of our field work that will be published in there as well. Um, and it's exciting that it's published with a Swiss publisher. Part books. Part books. Yeah. So, so that's that's great. Yeah, we we also we have a forward with uh, Mark Angelo, Carrie Cyrus, and we have an interview with uh, Patrick Roberts. Patrick Roberts. Yeah. And, and what's cool mm. about it is that um, some of these people we've uh, met, most of them we've met along the way, um, with with as the project has been ongoing, and so um, you know. Uh, or, or gotten to know them better on a, on a different level as the project has been going. So um, whether they've in, participated in a gallery talk with us, like at Yale, Kurt Forster did a gallery talk with us, which was kind of a- Really great because we didn't, we didn't know him before and, and it was really, yeah, it was incredible. I mean, they're like, Mark, like I, I think I mentioned Mark, Mark, uh, Mark uh, was my, I, I know him for forever and he's my mentor, but but there, yeah, there are a lot of people we we met along the way of the exhibition, and and yeah, it's, I mean it's really great. It's it's been it's been a really fun few years because of it. I mean, there's there's definitely something. I mean, besides the grant writings, which was very, uh, there was a lot of pressure, you know, to move the whole exhibition to Switzerland and back. Um, but I think I think besides that, it was really great who we met, and also how nice it is. For me, but also for Jonathan to be in a way connected back to Switzerland. Um, yeah. so, so that was definitely also uh, we got to lecture at EPFL in Switzerland and 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 uh, yeah, I mean at other schools. And so it was it was it's it's nice. It's really nice. Brought us a lot of fluid. <laughs> nice. Well, it was fun. It was fun, you know, trying to get this exhibition and 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 to see you with you guys and kind of working with you a little bit and um, getting to be introduced to your work and, and just, uh, yeah, it was nicely inspiring. You know, my, my wife's also an architect. And so like, we have that same, I'm always interested to talk to couples cause it's like, how, how do you guys work together? And cause we had, we, we had a firm together and then we kind of like went off and, but we're always kind of doing stuff and it's still, we've been married for 11 years and it's like, we just got into an, uh, a discussion, a heated discussion last night about some programming boxes, you know, uh, but it's always interesting of, of how people kind of come together in the, in the highs and the, the lows of that. Um, and, and just of just the criticality of your work and, and of your, your firm, it's in, inspiring of, of that kind of razor's edge that you have to kind of try to tread of academia and professional and, and, but trying to create work that's, meaningful and still eat somehow uh but i appreciate your work so thanks thanks for coming on thank you and thanks again for having us i mean it was really fun talking to you finally yeah your email so. i know exactly thank you for listening to this week's show you can visit architecting.com, that's architect-ing.com, to see images from this week's guest. And please rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week and keep connecting. Oh, yeah. What are we found down? <laughs> she, she, uh, who was it? Anne, Anne Riesebach tried to, what, did oh. you try to email us first? No, no, she tried to call. She tried to call both of us in the studio.
she tried to call us both individually. And uh, we both times, there was a number that we didn't recognize. So we both times, we just kind of like <laughs> turned it off. And then, then I think eventually like, uh, she wrote a very quick email to us like, hey, like this is, this is so-and-so, I need to, I want to speak to you. <laughs> to us and, and, and then so so I think eventually she got a chance to talk to Nicole and uh in, in Switzerland they don't know what the new price is or, or like not not it's not it's known but it's not like as Nicole didn't grow up thinking about the new price so like Nicole was of course excited but also she was like uh trying to play cool uh and, and well also there's so many prices here in the U.S. you know yeah. I mean, I have a huge disadvantage when I apply, when, when I, I mean, now it doesn't matter anymore, but when I used to apply for jobs, like it was so bad because I didn't get any price when I went to school for yeah. anything really. And here you have so many, you know, scholarships and <laughs> I was like, okay. You can, you can really pack that resume. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I think it's, it's interesting. I'm just, I'm in a weird spot where like that, that question of, of kind of what's the voice or what's the direction, like, my wife and I started a firm in 2009 when right out of school and like uh, got projects in like Wichita, Kansas and we're living there and like doing, just kind of doing stuff. Uh, and then we both went to grad school and then we're like working for other people and I'm doing it on and off. I'm always struggling with this idea of kind of what's the project and what's the importance of it, I guess, in a way, you know? Um, and so it's like, I feel like, you know, the league prize, it's like, yeah, I don't have, I need, I need a better idea of voice uh, or, but it's like you're saying, like, I, you know, I was talking to Kevin Hearth a lot when he was applying and it's like, you know, he got it on his second or third time. Right. And like seeing the evolution of his application was pretty interesting of how um, he was kind of thinking about his work and moving forward. But Kevin spent a lot of time putting his portfolio together. Remember, remember he came up to us after? He's, he apparently saw a portfolio. It was like, yeah, how much time did you spend putting your portfolio So you had to, so he won with us, obviously. And so we had to give this interview um, with them. And so, again, we had no idea what to say. But anyway, so after one another, the people were interviewed and they had your portfolio in front of them so that they could ask you questions. And Kevin saw our portfolio lying there and there were no, like we did these like, what was it, bind, like binder clippers. And apparently, I didn't know this, but apparently at that point they requested to have the portfolio bind it, like in a bound. proper, found in a proper way. And, and Kevin is still joking around about it. <laughs> He's like, why did you guys wait? We didn't even follow the, the requirements. <laughs> oh, wow, wow, wow. I think Kevin almost killed himself on that, on the, on the submittal at least, like that drawing that he did and the models, you know, like he was working night and day of those and he had like interns and barely got it in on time. And, you know, his whole process was just like making little tick hatch marks and for, and you know, Hours. it's so great. I mean, we told this to Kevin too. It's so great for us too that he did that because in every photo, his, his wall is, yeah. in is in the back. And we're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Our uh, information looks so much better with this. <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Yeah. Uh, well, cool, guys. Well, yeah, nice, nice talking in person. And thanks. Yeah, you too. Nice. Hope to we meet hope an actual can, person I mean, sometime. Yeah, we hope we can come to Denver eventually, right? I mean, yeah. that's the plan, but we see, we see how it goes.
Yeah. I mean, in general, just kind of uh, our experiences with Colorado uh, and the University of Colorado has been great, even though we yeah. haven't had a chance to go there. Um, everybody's so nice. Yeah, it's true. This is Sarah Hubbard, host of You and Me Kid, a podcast about starting and raising a family on your own. We just launched season two, and I'm speaking with single moms, those still considering, and experts in relevant fields to give you a real sense of what the day-to-day experience of solo parenting looks and feels like. Plus, this season, I've partnered with California Cryobank, the number one sperm bank in the U.S. So wherever you are in the process, this podcast provides some support, humor, and helpful information. Listen to You and Me Kid wherever you get your podcasts.